Coming to you live from the JRE Tobacco Aladino Mobile Studios, it's the Cigar Pulpit. Hello everybody and welcome to another sermon from the Cigar Pulpit. I'm the Bishop of the Burn, Nick. And with me today, we have cigar attorney, but now published author, Frank Herrera. How are you doing, Frank? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. You know, it seems like every time you and I talk, it's usually, well, I would, I, I, let me back up. Two out of the three times that we talked, bad things were kind of going on. We had, we had <laughs> FDA looming. We had uh, uh, turmoil in Cuba which that could have gone either way, and unfortunately it didn't go as how I would have liked for it to have gone. But then the last time we spoke, we had, you know, Judge Maida's ruling. and uh, But now we're, we're getting together and we can talk about something really fun. And that's the fact <laughs> that so. you, you have a book that's coming out. Well, yes, I do. I have uh, what's actually uh, Kindle only, so... It's, uh, it's, 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 it's my a, way of trying book, to man. introduce. All right. All right. <laughs> so it's, it's a way to test the waters, uh, to see if there's a response and people like it. If so, it'll be print paperback, that type of thing. So no, that's a, don't diminish the Kindle only that you, you wrote a book. That's what matters. And we're going to get into that here in just a second. But first I'm going to fire up my cigar. I have the, uh, EP Carrillo. It's the short run 2023. And this is a 6x52 Toro featuring an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, and filler made up of tobacco from Honduras and Nicaragua. And uh, I'm going to get that cut. And the official cutting is brought to you by Dan the Man Ponder over there at Riverman Cigar Company. That's where I picked up this cigar. Guys, if you're in the area, swing on by Dan. He's got a great selection of cigars in his humidor, and he's getting new stuff in all the time. Might be slowing down a little bit coming into the holiday season, as some retailers do. But you know what? That still doesn't mean that there's not still stuff coming in. It just might not be quite as fast and furious as it is over the summer. But there's plenty to choose from over there. He's got a nice, really comfortable lounge for you to chill out and watch TV and hang out and get to know everybody in. So if you're in the St. Louis area, swing by Dan the Man Ponder at Riverman Cigar Company. But if you're not and you still want to support a brick-and-mortar shop, he does do mail order. So you can give him a call and get a nice shipment of cigars sent to you right away. It's Dan the Man Ponder, Riverman Cigar Company, and now it's time for me to go ahead and cut my cigar. So, you are coming to us from your home office this time. And I, uh, I understand um, if you don't want to smoke in there. But uh, while I fire this up and before we get into the conversation about your book, what have you been smoking lately? What's been smoking good for you lately? Oh, well, you know, I smoke all kinds of things. Um, whatever's handed to me, whatever's given to me, whatever comes across my desk. So I don't uh, I don't chase the dragon on what's next and what's new. Well, yeah, I but... Kinda... Is something kind of hitting you nice lately that you know you had and you were like, you know, that was really good. <laughs> not not to uh, pick well, a favorite. I know you have a lot of people that you interact with and work with. I don't want you to put so, you on the spot. So, so a couple of years ago, I was on your show and uh -oh. I mentioned fans, and immediately thereafter, one of my friends slash clients <laughs> gave me a hard time because I didn't mention his brand. 
So, um, you know, I, I like, uh, I, I like illusioning. That's a, that's a go-to cigar for me. Um, you know, I, I like so many different cigars. I can't tell you, um, you know, I'm, I'm not, um, you know, I, I, I think people would be surprised to learn that I don't have a go-to. I smoke everything. I learn something from every cigar I smoke, good, bad, or ugly. Um, garage, um, gas station stores, <laughs> cigars, anything. I, I was going to say, <laughs> I think it was the last time that you were on, I asked if you wanted to coordinate up what cigar we were smoking. And you said, right. sure, we'll do a White Owl. And, uh, you know, had I had enough time to swing by the gas station before we recorded, I totally would have, you know, called you on that. And I would I would have fired up a, light, a white owl, but I didn't. Very so um, anyway, so let's talk about this book. So so first of all, um, can you give us kind of the Reader's Digest, you know, elevator pitch sure. about what the what what's the name of your book, what the book's about? And then we'll go from there. Sure. So uh, not surprisingly, the title of the book is The Cigar Lawyer. Um, it is uh, fiction, but uh, there's quite a bit of uh, real stuff in there. Places I've been, factories I've been to, things I've seen, uh, places I've stayed in the Dominican Republic, in Cuba, in Nicaragua, in Honduras. Um, there's even a little bit about Mexico. So uh, the idea has been swirling around in my head for many, many years. Um, you know, I was an English major a very long time ago. And like most English majors, I always wanted to write something. But, you know, really probably didn't have the talent um, to, to do anything or, or, the, um, or the discipline. Uh, so for many, many years um, over the development of my career, you know, I've been thinking about it just like everybody, you know, the great American novel. One day I'll have time. One day I'll have time. And so my wife um, actually challenged me um, not too long ago and, um, you know, basically said, you know, put up or shut up type of thing. So uh, I just started writing. And, uh, you know, the, initially the idea was just kind of throw something, um, you know, just maybe a short story, kind of see how it goes. And the short story got a little bit longer, got a little bit longer. So what I have now is is really not the full vision um, because I think the full vision is is more than one book. So it's more of um, kind of a uh, a trip through cigar producing countries uh, with a uh, cigar lawyer like myself who has been presented by um, some folks to uh, look into uh, a couple of crimes essentially. And um, I don't want to give away too much. No, no, no. Uh, um, but they are, yeah, yeah. So there, there there's um, quite a bit of, um, you know, insight into uh, the factories, into fermentation, uh, drying barns, um, the areas surrounding factories, some of the culture. And then, of course, um, you got to throw a murder in there because what's a book without a murder? <laughs> so, uh, so that's that's what you got so far. That's awesome. So when I read the description on Amazon, it, it kind of struck me as... Uh, and and maybe you might I don't I don't know what your literary influences are, but it kind of struck me as like perhaps a John Grisham meets the cigar industry. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, listen, I, I worked when I was in undergrad a long time ago. Again, uh, I worked in bookstores. I worked in numerous bookstores for, for several years. And, uh, you know, of course, at that time I was an English major and I, you know, kind of looked down on you know, commercial fiction and all that. 
but over the years, you know, there's there's certainly a place for commercial fiction. So this is definitely not uh, a work of literary. Uh, <laughs> you know, this isn't Milton. This isn't Shakespeare. You know, this isn't uh, any of that. It's it's definitely, um, you know, more of commercial fiction, um, you know, fast paced. So am I John Grisham? Absolutely not. You know, the guy's had a long, long what? career. but. Yeah, but the style, I would say, is, is probably comparable. Well, and so, I mean, I don't want to make it sound like I'm looking – I definitely don't want to make it sound like I'm looking down on literary fiction because – so when I read, I don't read nearly as much as I would like to. That's that's definitely – I mean, but I find somebody in their 40s that doesn't say that, you know, and I'll show you someone that probably doesn't have a job. And uh, the thing is, is that when I do read, I, I bounce back and forth. I do like a nonfiction, but then I give myself a fiction book and then I go back to nonfiction. And, and you know, you got to give your brain something different. It can't just be all nonfiction. So so I, I think there's definitely a place. But what it sounds like and what I'm gathering is that, you know, you have you have a fiction story. You have you have your story that you're presenting here. But you've interlaced so much knowledge that you've gathered throughout your time as a cigar lawyer into the story. So there's a lot of like, I, I'm get, I'm guessing, I'm putting words in your mouth and maybe you can verify. I'm guessing there's a lot of like actual um, industry processes and knowledge that people can glean from this story as they read it. Yeah, so absolutely. So, I, I mean, it's definitely a work of fiction, but there's quite a bit of uh, travel information uh, of cigar producing areas, as I said earlier. So I guess the idea was to kind of blend fiction with some nonfiction and travel. Uh, uh, you know, when, years ago, I, I read a lot of uh, travel writers uh, and, you know, some of the, um, you know, more interesting ones I always found um, threw in a little fiction, of course, but also I was captivated and I said, hey, I've never been to that city or town or wherever the case might be. And I said, you know, I was kind of, you know, moved to go there. Um, so I've always been um, interested in travel fiction. Uh, so I thought it'd be a great way to kind of mix all the the different genres. No, that's really cool. Now, I, and and you touched on it. Um, a lot of people feel like they have the great American novel within themselves. Um, you know, I own a newspaper, I, I have my degree in journalism and everything, and it's one of my life goals before I pass away that I want to leave a book behind. I don't know what it'll be. That's the problem. I have no idea what it would be about. I don't know, you know, fiction, nonfiction. I, it's just one of those things that you just sit back and you're like, I'd like for there to be a book on the shelf with my name on it, you know, that sort of thing. And so I guess um, my question to you is walk me through the process of how you decided this is what I want to do. And then from there, the 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 what was your I, I what did it take in terms of motivation, drive, you know, commitment to sit down and write every day? Because that's an arduous task in and of itself as well. Yeah, I think I actually had this uh, exact conversation yesterday with my wife um you know because she wants to write something everybody you know wants to write something and the the thing is is my job um and is like most lawyers uh that do uh commercial litigation and corporate law type things like that um we write every day you know and we're writing for other people 
you know, we'll turn out 20, 30, 40 pages, uh, possibly a day. It might not be a finished piece of work, but it might be, a, you know, a draft, a motion for summary judgment, something kind of more long-winded uh, motion practice. We're constantly writing. I've been writing, you know, my whole life uh, since I was an English major. Uh, but, you know, the past 22 years, I've been writing for other people, I've been writing on behalf of a client, um, you know, essentially uh, writing um, a perspective, telling someone's story constantly. So, you know, it just comes a time where you say, gee, um, I'm expending all this time and energy telling someone else's story. You know, let me tell my story, um, whether it's personal or fiction or whatever the case may be, but based upon, you know, my travel or memories or whatever the case may be, or just straight, you know, having the freedom to be creative. So I think, um, you know, just as a profession, you know, it's just easier, I think, for someone like myself to kind of sit down and be disciplined and, and write 10 or 20 pages a day uh, and then edit and go back and edit. Whereas someone who maybe doesn't have that, um, you know, in their day-to-day -day life, it might be a little more difficult because I think really for me, the creativity part is, is really the easy part. Uh, finding the time to actually, you know, get the work done. Uh, of course, that's the hardest part because like all of us, we're, we're all very busy. Um, and then the editing part, you know, that's that's what I do every day. So that's the hardest part is going to be just seeing, you know, the response. People, oh, I can't <laughs> imagine. Gee, you know, you see, that was really boring. You talked about cigars a lot. Well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I understand that because like, a, you know, between the newspaper, the podcast, it's like, you know, for the last nearly 10 years, I've had people critiquing something i'm putting out on a regular basis so trust me man sure. i i get it you know it uh uh you, yeah. you the thing that you i'll tell you this right now the thing that you think is going to be the thing that hits just like like gold that's not going to be the thing it's going to be this <laughs> thing over here that you put in that you didn't even realize that you'd said or done and everybody's going to yeah. fixate on that and then they're going to be like that was great and just just accept it just soak it up and accept it because um well yeah i'm coming from a time of my life where I, i'm not doing this um I'm, I'm just doing it because i had to have a creative outlook uh or or you know uh, 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 just some path you know to be creative and do things because you know we we you know, were engaged in trials or engaged in, in clients discussions and worked for clients and they're really you know after many years of this i still enjoy it i i you know, love what i do i think you know it's a unique perspective uh on the law but you know i have to have a bit of a, a creative um you know whatever the case may be oh for sure and you know and and so I, i'm not writing for anybody I'm, I'm writing for myself um and you know it's more uh you know getting something out and again um it, it it's not going to be uh it's not going to be you know faulkner it's not going to be hemingway but <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be mine i'm sure it'll be great so um <laughs> i have a few other little questions here so so the one um when you sat down to write did you sit down and plot out like an outline before you started the actual writing process or did you just sit down and just start hammering out content and the story would flow as it flowed and you kind of made it go as it go yeah so I actually wrote it uh, very much the way that I would write uh, motions in, in federal court. Um, I kind of think, okay, what is my objective? Um, you know, what are the points I have to have to hit? You know, what are some of the elements? 
And then I just start kind of throwing little paragraphs and, you know, setting, okay, I know I want to be in the Dominican Republic. I know I want to get, have a scene in Cuba. I know I want a scene in, you know, Nicaragua. Okay, so what happens in the Dominican Republic? All right, well, in the Dominican Republic, so then those are chapters. Each of these are, are separate chapters. And so I said, okay, what happens there? Well, I've been to the Dominican Republic. I've been to Tamboril, Santiago, many, many times. And I just started describing it. And then it just starts filling it out and say, well, wouldn't it be neat if this happens? Well, wouldn't it be neat if that happens? All right, I'm kind of bored talking about the DR. It's not finished yet, but let me talk about Nicaragua now. So, because okay. of course I'm aging like most, <laughs> you know, uh, so I'll, I'll start kind of just patching things together and then start filling in, you know, well, this, you know, reread, reread a paragraph and say, well, that's a little light needs a little more uh, description, needs a little more detail. Um, you know, it doesn't really connect with what happens later in Nicaragua. So let me kind of uh, do a little foreshadowing in, you know, in this earlier chapter. So then my other question has to do with the editing process. And mm -hmm. what I find is sometimes the hardest thing is, is, you know, you, when you're, when you're editing it, you at some point are forced with the idea of like I really liked this but it's just not hitting right and you have to cut something that's kind of like your own little personal you know not baby but you know what I mean like something yeah. something yeah. you really dig was there something like that or were you able to make everything kind of flow and work the way you wanted well so I mean I'd be lying if I said that that didn't happen because that that did happen um, but it, it happens less now than it did maybe 20 years ago when I was trying to do something because I would write a lot of stuff and it would come off, you know, a sophomoric or silly or it wouldn't connect. And then I'd cut all that. And then what happens is you get frustrated and then you just lose. Uh, my, my mindset for this was um, this is the story. I know we're going to these countries. I know this is going to happen. And that's the framework. And now fill it in. Um, uh, very few sections of kind of like I'm going off on this tangent were cut. Um, um, you know, there, there were a couple sections that I was kind of going off a tangent and then, you know, you're driving down the road, uh, you know, down the highway and you're just thinking and you're thinking, well, that doesn't make any damn sense. So then you go back to the computer and you, you know, clean it up and, and work it through. So a lot of the writing I would say, um, happens really in the shower or driving, uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, seriously, you know, in moments where you're kind of thinking through the story rather than looking at the page, when you look at the page, it's really daunting to kind of connect things because you don't really, you know, you're just looking at white and blinking and things like that. Um, I think you really kind of have to visualize, you know, what's happening and then be disciplined enough to go back and say, OK, in that section, I need to, you know, write about this. Um, the One of the biggest things that always stopped me from writing in, in previous years was that I didn't trust what I was saying. And now at a point now, I don't care. You know, it's like, does that make sense? Yeah, it's all right. Move on, move on, move on. Yeah. And then you know, at the end of the day, again, it's, it's not Faulkner. It's not, you know, it's not a great literary work that I hope, you know, is going to win, win some prizes. It's more, I just had to make the story work. Right. And, um, and listen, it's three ninety nine on Kindle. If you don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, um, well, and and I and obviously I want to get to the plug, you know, here in a minute. But um, you know, it it's uh, you mentioned that that a lot of the ideas come, like you said, in the shower and in the car and things like that. And I can relate to that because for various things, you know, you know how it is. It's the time you have to think. Mm -hmm. And so I know that my voice recorder on my phone is filled with little like. Just little mm -hmm. notes that, you know, you kind of I, I recite to myself and, and go back and check. So I assume that you were 
doing something similar, you know, just kind of jotting stuff down yeah. as you went and, and Absolutely. circling back yeah. to it. Yeah, um, your phone voice recorder in the notes section is is awesome. But you have to be disciplined, you know, you have to go back. And so I'll, I'll let lots of thoughts kind of go through. But then I kind of like, OK, that's the one I've got to actually write down. And then once I made that decision, it's going in somehow. I don't care. I'm, I'm making it work somewhere. <laughs> well, and see, and the other thing that, that strikes me is that um, you're, what you said about um, you stop kind of overthinking you know, what you were saying. And you said, screw it. I'm just putting it down and we're going on. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. um, there's a thing. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's called NaNoWriMo. It's the no. Na National Novel Writing Month. And it's the month of November every year. So from mm -hmm. November 1st to November 30th, mm -hmm. you're supposed to sit down and write. I, there's a there's a goal. I, I don't remember exactly how many uh, words or whatever it is. But you're supposed to basically just sit down and write a novel throughout the month of mm -hmm. November. And if you break it up per day, it's so many pages and this kind of thing. And um, the whole process is that s since you're limited to just one month to write this thing, you don't have time to think about it. You just sit down right. and just just bang it out. And right. I've toyed with that a couple of years and I just, I never make it, you know, in and because it's one of those things, you know, oh, I had a busy day. I'm not going to sit down and write. I'll write twice yeah. as much yeah. the next day and then you know that sort of thing and i just find it very easy to to get pulled away so i have to give you a lot of credit for for sticking with it and, and actually like you know because i'm sure there were days throughout that well i i'll be honest with you i, I i've never heard of this nano november or whatever it's yeah. called but 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 that's the mindset from what you're telling me that's the mindset that i've had and and uh it's it's basically don't care. I trust, you know, what I'm saying. It's based on what I know. You know, nobody else has been uh, to these places that I've been to at the times I have and seen the precise things that I've seen. Now, many people in the cigar industry and, you know, and, and cigar travelers have seen some of these things, but um, but it's my perspective. So I just, you know, trust in it. And um, and I'm an OK writer, I think, uh, as a as a professional writer, uh, you know, as a lawyer. So, um, you know, again, if, if someone's considering it, then I think that's great. Give yourself 30 days and, uh, and just write a bunch of stuff. And then if it takes you another 30 days to edit it and, and rearrange your ideas, precisely, that's different. But I, I think, you know, not again, not to say, um, I, I think I'm coming from a different place than someone who, you know, um, is not writing every day. Someone, um, you know, that has ideas like, as we all do. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm pretty disciplined to, uh, to, to write something, uh, nearly every day, uh, for the court or for a client or whatever the case may be. For sure. So I'm on Amazon now. So let's talk about mm -hmm. this so we can go to Amazon and, yeah. uh, you can, uh, get the cigar lawyer, uh, on Kindle as of, uh, it, yes. now it, it's a, it is a pre-order, correct? Right. Right. So it's being released December 7th. Uh, mm -hmm. of this year so we got just a little bit of time to wait here um so what's the pro i and i'm this might be something that anybody can do but i don't know what i don't know the answer to this so like what's the process of getting a book published to kindle oh it's surprisingly simple so let me give you a little background okay so again when i when i worked in bookstores a very long time ago and even throughout maybe the past many years 
you know, I always thought if if you didn't get a big publisher to publish a book, you know, it's just vanity publishing and, you know, it's 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 of less value to someone. So um, I don't care. You know, I haven't tried to approach a publisher at all. Um, I do have some friends and contacts in publishing, uh, people that I worked with many years ago and, and uh, at a place called Borders. I worked at the corporate headquarters many years ago. I liked Borders. Um, but, I miss Borders. But, <laughs> but, but I felt like I had to get this out and into people's hands. And again, this is not going to be New York Times bestseller, but I wanted, you know, friends, family, people in the industry, that type of thing to read it as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. So I started investigating, you know, the Kindle process. It's super simple. It's like ridiculously simple. Um, you know, the, the cover art, uh, they, they have something on there that you can, you can do. I did the cover art myself on a separate program. Um, and you know, you have to submit it three or four days before that launch date. So, um, I'm in the process of doing that now. So it's, you know, pre-cleared. So on the release date, it's, it's actually available. Um, and again, I, I think there's, um, some formatting tips that they give you. Um, things that, you know, I already knew about, you know, font size, uh, margins, silly things like that. Um, and, you know, they have some prohibitions, uh, some things that, you know, they don't want you uploading. They'll probably also do a scan to make sure that there's no um, in, uh, material that's infringing on copyright. I don't know their algorithms. I don't know how they do that. Yeah. But uh, it's relatively simple. Again, I've got to submit it, uh, upload it uh, for their approval. I think it's 72 hours before the release date. And um, I, I don't foresee them, you know, having a problem with anything in there. Um, since I'm an you know, intellectual property attorney, I, w- I would hope I didn't <laughs> hope not. You know, lift anything. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, just get on the website and start reading the terms and conditions. And I think people will find that it's super easy. Now, I think, you know, the big challenge, of course, is who's going to read it if you do upload it. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, w- without promotion and marketing that you know, we're doing now, of course. Um, or some type of um, hook that, you know, people are going to be naturally drawn to it, um, you know, that's the challenge, you know. So I do have quite a few pre-orders, and I'm excited to say um, a lot of people in industry, friends, family, that type of thing, I'm okay with it, you know. And uh, I'm, the hope is that once it's published, there will be some reviews, and then once there's reviews, you know, the general public who might be interested kind of in the topic will, you know, buy it for $3.99, who knows? Now, you know, no one's going to become a millionaire with this book, but it's just more of kind of releasing it to get some feedback. And, you know, if it works well and people are interested in the style and, you know, in, in the, in the, you know, basically the style, uh, I would release other books, um, you know, the further adventures of the cigar lawyer, that type of thing. No, that'd be great. Um, so I have to ask, and, and you don't have to answer, but you went with a pen name. Yeah, why, yeah. Can you can what? Can I just directly ask why you decided to go with a pen name? Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of silly because in the bio there it says my full name and it says AKA Frank Blacksmith, but uh, Herrera means uh, blacksmith in Spanish or like oh. iron worker. That's what it means. Yeah. So, um, you know, I was just trying to test the waters to see if it makes a difference to the general public buying a, a book by you know an Anglo name or a Hispanic name, but the book's main character has a Hispanic name, has a Hispanic background, that type of thing. So it was just more of kind of a, a little inside joke of myself, um, you know, to see, you know, how that flies. I've had a couple of people ask me about that and I don't care. Again, the whole book is, I don't care. I don't care what you like. I don't care what you think. 
you know, if you enjoy it, read it. Great. Tell people about it. If you think it sucks, tell me it sucks. I don't care. Well, no, see that I, I respect that because that's the thing. I think that, you know, when people create art, be it writing a book, painting a painting, making music, whatever it is, you know, it, it's for you first more than mm -hmm. more than anybody else. And then from there, if other people like it, fantastic. So so no, I, I, I respect that attitude a lot. Thanks. So, um, December 7th, people can go on to, well, they can pre-order it now, but as of December 7th, people can actually start reading it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it'll be, I think if you pre-order it, then Amazon just pumps it right into your Kindle uh, automatically. So the, the idea is if it gets um, a decent reception, you know, if people just don't totally hate it and, you know, and poo-poo it, then um, I'll probably come out because I've had some people ask me to actually uh, put it in hardcover or paperback, uh, which has a higher price point, of course. Um, so I'll have uh, a revised, updated version in, uh, in print that uh, they can order. But that'll, that probably won't be until, you know, early next year. See, you could show up at PCA with copies and do a book signing. <laughs> I, I suppose I could. I'm not <laughs> sure. <laughs> and the most difficult thing about the book was actually not revealing any client confidences or, you know, kind of oh. being ethical, you know, things I've seen and things like that. So um, I, I think I'm pretty clear on that. So I'm pretty I would, good about that. So what you're saying is we're not going to hear, there's not going to be any names that we recognize in the book. It's going to be no, names have no, been changed to protect the innocent kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. That's good. Well, I, I, I'm excited for you. Like I said, it's been something I've wanted to do for a while. When I saw that you put a post up on Instagram announcing or, you know, promoting it, I was like, I got to talk to Frank about this. This is really cool. <laughs> so I'm, I'm geeking out for you over here. So oh, appreciate it. Appreciate yeah. it. Um, so while I have you, I didn't mention that, you know, I don't think we covered this beforehand, but while I have you, I have to ask. So since we last talked, the FDA has appealed Judge Maida's, you know, ruling. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I'm, I'm asking you this with probably no notes in front of you. So it's literally off the top of your head. So I understand if you, if you're like, I'm not prepared to answer that, but can you give like any sort of like, just update? What does this mean? You know, like, where are we at? Sure. Yeah. So um, I haven't checked the docket in several weeks, so I can't tell you if an appeal brief has been filed. I, I don't even remember their deadline for their appeal brief, but it's probably coming up if it hasn't passed. Okay. So, you know, they filed a notice of appeal, which is essentially just a, what it sounds like. It's a notice. It doesn't actually have uh, the contents of the appeal in it. Um, and again, you know, if they've since filed it, you know, I apologize. I'll, you know, call you back, I guess, with, you know, my review of your appeal brief. But the process is, you know, they file an appeal brief. There's a scheduling. Well, they file the appeal. There's a scheduling order. You know, the appeals court will tell them when they have to file their appeals brief, when they have to do mediation, all that kind of thing. And, um, you know, each side has their opportunity to file their briefs and then there'll be an oral argument in the future. I mean, that's more just kind of the procedural part of it. But what happens behind is sometimes uh, when you lose a case, you uh, file a notice of appeal just to kind of change um, your leverage at the time. Uh, because, gee, uh, hey, you know, the other side, you won at trial, but hey, it's not over until the appeal has uh, spoken. And even then, you know, there's, you know, to the. United States Supreme Court above that. So it's more for leverage. Um, if I had to guess, um, I think the FDA's in 
I don't represent them. I don't speak to them. I don't know anything, but I do represent importers. I do represent brand owners. I do represent factories. If I had to guess, I think it's uh, the FDA is concerned mostly about user fees and about losing the premium cigar industry uh, as payment of user fees. And not only that, um, the other tobacco products now saying, gee, you let those guys out. Now our proportion of the user fees will most certainly have to go up because somebody has to pay for the agency's uh, Center for Tobacco Products. Apart from that as well, um, you know, the agency is um, by statute um, as amended uh, by the Tobacco Control Act, amends, you know, the, the FTCA Act. Uh, they they have an obligation to regulate tobacco products. So you know if they if they're found to uh, have not had the power to do that, or they you know institute the regulations um, you know not in the proper manner, then they need to do something so that they do it. So while they appeal, um, they may be moving forward with the appeal because they think there's some good grounds to appeal, uh, or it could be that they're buying time so that they can rewrite the regulations, release the proposed regulations uh, in a manner that they think would survive any further um, litigation. Okay. No, that makes yeah, sense. Okay. Uh, no, no, no. That <laughs> makes a lot of sense. I kind of was wondering if this was just like a, a time-buying tactic. So you 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 said that's possibly exactly what it is. I, I mean, not exactly, but possibly what it is. So, no, that makes a lot of sense to me because – it seemed like the the I don't know I, I we don't need to get too far into this because like I said I was just looking for a quick update it just seemed like everything seemed pretty buttoned up and uh, then you know they appealed and so I just I don't know I didn't know what was no up. that's it's I guess one of the things that you know someone who's not involved in in litigation and, and particularly federal litigation is, um, you know, it's it's a very lengthy process and there's a lot that happens uh, beyond the headlines and the blogs and the podcasts that affect the uh, the leverage and the strategies. Um, you know, months will pass, then you'll hear something, you know, like Meta said this, oh, well, that's the way it is. That, that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. It's just he said that and then that just started off uh, a whole path of, you know, other uh, legal wranglings. Uh, for the next five years um you know this case was filed uh in 2016 i believe you know we're now approaching 2024 um so um you know who who knows and uh and and the fda is is looking to ban menthol and flavored uh cigars that's going to that's in the final review uh, but you know depending on how that goes that might start new litigation um, you know, the key is, is they, you know, they force these regulations from a kind of, um, you know, an immature, immature is not the right word from, they, they didn't fully consider the implications, uh, as it applies to cigars, uh, and other tobacco products. They kind of crammed some cigarette based regulations down these other industries. And, you know, there was a, there was a pushback. Uh, you know, if the if the government is going to do something with all their power and influence and organization, then they need they need to do their job right. You know, and unfortunately, I think they had a leader way back when that said, you know, push this through at any cost. I don't care. And of course, that leader is no longer there. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, and and so now that's that's what's happening. Um, and it's going to continue to happen in some shape or form, whether it's the 
proposed prohibition on menthol or flavored cigars or these new uh, regulations on um, governing the good manufacturing practices of cigar factories. For sure. Which is a proposed rule right now. No, for sure. Well, we appreciate the input and insight. So, um, do you have time to do the Villager Cigars Entertainment Report where we talk about fun stuff that we're enjoying lately? You know, I, I always have time. I'm, I'm not sure uh, I'm going to add any value to it. Uh, so. I mean, I, you know, here, we'll, we'll do this. We'll do this. We'll see. It's time for the Villager Cigars Entertainment Report. Brought to you by Villiger. Villiger Cigars, one of the leading cigar and cigarello manufacturers in the world, founded in 1888 and still family owned and operated. Head over to VilligerCigars.com and check the store locator to find a shop near you that carries them. We guarantee that Villiger Cigars will be a wonderful addition to your humidor and cigar rotation. You know, I don't know if you represent E.P. Carrillo or not, and if you don't, that's, you know, it's not relevant. I, I'm just going to say that this, the short run 2023 that I'm smoking here is a fantastic cigar. It's kicking, it's, the draw on it's fantastic. The smoke production's been great. It's been a nice, kind of light, medium-bodied cigar with uh, kind of a little earthy flavor to it, and I'm, I'm really digging it. So if, if you haven't had one, uh, I would, I don't know what how you fall cigar wise you, you smoke like mediums right oh yeah i smoke everything and, oh, yeah. and i don't represent them but they're really great people uh, yeah. that i know personally and um you know they have fantastic cigars that's all i can say and again i get nothing from this plug <laughs> that's fine i'm just saying if you if you find one i would i would recommend <laughs> it i'm digging it a lot so um very good so yeah so in terms of the the villager cigars entertainment report uh, I don't know what you've been watching, reading, consuming, you know, and everything lately, but, uh, you know, what, what, what do you have to share? What do I have to share as far as, uh, movies or books? Yeah, uh, not, movies, not books, lately. TV, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Not much lately. Unfortunately, I've just been focused on trying to finish up this book and the holidays and family, you know, that type of thing. Okay. So, so let's talk, let's, let's pivot this for just a moment then. So... <laughs> you're coming out with your book. What are some of your like favorite authors, literary influences, things of that nature? What, what do you, when you do have time to read, what do you like to read? Yeah. So, I mean, it all depends on, on when, but currently, you know, the lighter, the better for me. Um, you know, something, some commercial fiction is just fine with me. Um, you know, years ago when, you know, I was an English major and, you know, I, you know, was a little more heady. Of course, I took classes on Whitman. I took classes on Blake, uh, William Blake, uh, Shakespeare. Um, I can't even remember how many more, but just classes just solely on those authors. And of course, you had kind of, you know, American literature, British literature, that type of thing. But um, these days, um, you know, I, I quite frankly, I read mostly the news. Uh, I, I read a lot of financial news. I read a lot of legal news. Um, not so much, um, you know, your run of the mill popular culture news just because it's just garbage um, and you really don't get a story. I don't want to read, you know, six paragraphs just so you can tell me what the story's about. You know, it used to be, as you know, you're a newspaper guy, it used to be there's a pyramid, right? Uh-huh. And you get the most important information and then you kind of flesh it out, you know, yep. because people now it's this way, it's all this fluff. And then, you know, 20 minutes later, you get to like, you know, the point they're trying to get to. And I, I just, I don't have any 
patience for poor writing like that. I so, the same way with my writers. I when I get an article from them, typically, well, I should say this: when it's like government meetings, like city councils, things of that nature, um, I, I want that, you know. Yeah. But I have one writer who she's not great with that kind of coverage. She likes doing the more um, fluffy kind of um, feature pieces. And with that, right. I'm a little more okay with the with different. the word because yeah. it's a totally different thing. But yeah, sure. I, I get what you're saying. Sure, but I so I think I, listen, I, I don't know anything about journalism, but I think what's happened is that 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 fantastic history of feature writing. There's there's very few people who do it properly and correctly historically, um, but it's a great. It's like I, I enjoy that quite a bit. But I think um, new writers have found that they want to do that for everything. It's I, I don't want to feature writing on the car accident news. You know, yeah. what did it happen? What you know? Or, you know, give me the basics. You know, the, the who, what, when, why, and all that. Because everybody so, wants to be Woodward and Bernstein, no matter what they're covering. <laughs> they all want to go out and be that like, yeah, you know, yeah. intense journalist and everything. So right, yeah. Right. So, so, uh, you know, as far as books, um, I, you know, I'm not reading much in the way of fiction right now, but, um, a, lo a lot of news, I, I really, um, you know, read financial news, technology news, uh, legal news, that type of thing. Um, kind of boring. Um, but, yeah. uh, I watch and then whatever's on Netflix or Amazon or a lot of YouTube. <laughs> I, well, <laughs> I get that. Um, I, uh, was actually just talking with, a friend of mine the other day about a show called um, it's a true crime thing called uh, the curious case of Natalia Grace. Mm. It's on uh, HBO and it's about this family who adopts what they think is like a eh, eight year old, you know, mm. eight year old girl with um, uh, some physical, you know, disabilities. They think that she's mm -hmm. got dwarfism, things of that nature. But then the question becomes, is she really eight or is she like 20 something? <laughs> and is she like, you know, psychotic and threatening to kill him? And dude, it, it goes way off the rails in terms I can't even explain. So like, you know, Sounds great. it's it's bizarre. Like I'm three episodes in on it now out of six. And um, the the they're, they're, they were at like a cow farm with an electric fence and the mom is accusing the little girl of trying to shove her into the electric fence and she's the little girl saying no i just sat down and the lady fell over and blah, blah. i mean it's it's crazy <laughs> but then this judge adjusted this girl's age without her even like kind of knowing it so now the judge is saying oh yeah she's 20 so they stuck her in an apartment all by herself and they're bringing food over to I'm telling you, if you're look, if you just want some like, not mindless, but like kind of like zone out, like how is this real kind of true crime? The curious case yeah. of Natalia Grace is is an interesting one. I'm on it. I'm on it. Well, so I was as you said that I was thinking, I did watch uh, Monarch um, Legacy of Monsters on Apple TV. Is that okay? All right, that's the, that's the Godzilla show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't have Apple TV, but that's the thing that's going to get me to subscribe to it. Ted yeah. Lasso, I'm going to watch that while I have it, but but this is the thing. So let me ask, did they drop the whole thing at once or No. No, they're they're killing me. They're killing me. I think that they're on like episode 3 or 4 is about to drop. I'm looking at my Apple TV on my phone right now. Uh I think 4 drops uh December 1st. Okay. So episode 4. 
Yeah, so I'm three episodes in. Okay, I'm going to wait until yeah. all of them, because I have way too many of these apps. I can't afford to sign up for another one. And so my thought is wait for all of them to be out. Find like a seven-day free trial and just marathon <laughs> the hell out of it. But what I love about that show is the concept that Kurt Russell and his son are playing the same character, but like in different time frames, correct? It's incredible. I, I don't want to give anything away at all, but okay. there is a scene. There is a scene and they uh, they I don't know what the, the, the term is in filmmaking, but they're focused on Kurt Russell and they fade in his son's face and it's uncanny. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm sure there's, you know, some, you know, Hollywood magic there going on as well, but it's pretty uncanny. That's awesome. I'm looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. So uh, and I like Godzilla. So whatever, you know, it's like I'll watch <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. So no, in terms of uh, any, any, I'm, I'm not really, well, I can't say I'm not really reading anything. I have one book that I have been like very slowly getting my way through. Um, it's uh, the first of the, the uh, Parker novels by Richard Stark, the hunter. Oh yeah. Um, have you, did you ever see, there was that movie with Mel Gibson. I think it was called like payback. I didn't see that. Okay. Um, it's based off this and and so like I'm, I'm maybe about i don't know i'm not quite halfway but there's there's this guy parker and he obviously worked for these criminals and he went away well now he's coming back trying to get what's his and he's just plowing through these guys you know getting to uh the money that he's owed and everything like that and uh it's it's been a real kind of crime noir kind of thing but there's a whole <laughs> series of books that this guy has done um, with this character. So I'm looking forward to uh, finishing that and seeing if I liked it enough to keep going. So, cause I, I like a oh, good, good series. Like I read the, uh, that, so it's funny you should say that and not to bring things back to me, but let's no, do go that. ahead. Yeah. So, so my wife was, it was saying, why are you doing, you know, the whole idea? Why didn't you just release this country, then this country, then this country. And so I, I, I was fighting with that quite a bit. And I think I can do both. I can I can do this and then thereafter kind of go through and, you know, revisit this countries under different, you know, setting and different, well, not setting, but, you know, reason to be there, if you will. Yeah. Be, you know, yeah. So that's, that's funny you say that because there's so many ideas, it's really difficult to get them all into one book. Totally. And I mean, and, and, you know, you get a you get a character that's fleshed out well enough. You can drop that character in all kinds of different settings. I mean, you know, in Fleming with Bond, I mean, my God, you had Bond in Under the Sea. You had Bond in Space. You had Bond, you know, doing this and that and whatever. I mean, it's like you just flesh out the character well enough and you can do whatever you need to do with them. So who knows? Maybe the cigar lawyer is going to be, you know, scoping out new tobacco products on the on the moon's surface at some point. <laughs> Put some uh, rolling tables in the space station. There you go. You know, who knows? <laughs> coming. They need tobacco there. There's no tobacco there now, from See? what I understand. It's perfect. You know, Mar Martian cigars. I mean, you know, it's the next new new expansive field for, for us to look at. So that's perfect. Awesome. Um, well, very cool. Well, um, in terms of other housekeeping, I need to get to um guys if you haven't tried my monthly cigars uh nick gervais over there at my monthly cigars he does a uh premium cigar subscription service box comes to your door once a month you can get a variety of size boxes uh i get the robusto box with four cigars for 30 dollars. he also does an el presidente box which is eight cigars 
two of everything in the Robusto box for $50. It's a nice way of trying a whole bunch of different types of cigars and not having the commitment of going out and buying, you know, a box or whatever it is in order to get the price per cigar that you're paying uh, through his subscription. So if you use offer code PULPIT, that's P-U-L-P-I-T, get your free shipping on the first box. And while you're over there at MyMonthlyCigars.com, you can try his uh, fucking good coffee. He has the uh, a variety of different blends, but he also has the Daily Press, which is the official cigar pulpit coffee. So get some coffee, get some cigars over there at MyMonthlyCigars.com. And in terms of the socials, where can people follow you and, and find out more about the book? So, um, you know, the, the usual places, um, Facebook, Frank Herrera. Um, I'm sure I'm not the only Frank Herrera in the world, but uh, if you look at Frank Herrera Cigar, Frank Herrera Cigar Law, something like that, you'd probably find me. Uh, Twitter, now X, uh, I think is at Cigar Law. Um, Instagram is just Frank Herrera. Um, LinkedIn, Frank Herrera. Again, I don't know, you know, put in law or something like that, or Herrera and Sardinia, which is my firm name. Um, and, uh, and then our firm website is HerreraSardinia.com. Fantastic. And we're available on Instagram at the Cigar Pulpit, as well as on Facebook, where we have the Parishioners Group. And while you're over there, uh, make sure if you're a member of the Parishioners Group, you're voting in our Top Cigars of 2023. And if you're not a member of the Parishioners Group and you want to vote in the uh, Top Cigars of 2023, sign up. It's 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 a closed group, but just sign up and I'll let you in. And then you can uh, have your voice be heard as well. I'm on Twitter slash X. Don't really do a whole lot there but you know i suspect before it's said and done i'm probably going to end up having to do a lot more there uh youtube you know at least until uh they decide to start taking my videos down and um you know we'll go from there so anyway well frank i i really do want to congratulate you for this this is a big deal i i you're being humble talking about how you're not you know uh one of these literary giants but you know what they they had people that they were looking up to as well when they put out their first works and stuff so who knows you know you might you might be the next uh um author with a nice uh, series of novels and everything else so don't don't sell yourself short I'm, i'm looking forward to giving it a read very good. I appreciate it. Appreciate the time. Buy it. Read it. Tell me what you think. Good, bad, or ugly. And that's the thing, guys. It's four bucks. It's less than half the price of a of a premium cigar these days. So, you know, get yourself a book. It's like two white owls. Just buy two white there owls. There you go. Instead of buying two, you know, it's like it's just sacrifice two white owls from your budget. Get the book and then, you know, settle in with your Kindle and, and fire up a cigar and and you know read the read the book it'll be great so awesome anyway well frank thank you so much i really do appreciate your time thanks thanks everyone this has been an, uh, another sermon from the cigar pulpit i'm nick that's frank everybody stay safe and stay smoky You know, in my haste, I uh, totally 
neglected to give final thoughts on the EP Carrillo short uh, run 2023. I, I have nothing bad to say about the cigar. It's super solid. The construction on it's been great. Flavor on it's been nice. Um, I need to see if Dan over at Riverman has a few more because I only bought the one. So I'm going to see if I can find a few more. So if you guys are looking for something great from EP Carrillo, give it a shot. Thanks, Frank. Thanks again. Take care.